0: And welcome back. Today, we are jumping into routines. So, we talked about the big five areas. I walked you through each area and how it relates to self care, both reactively and preventatively, I explained its importance, gave you some examples. But what's most helpful now that you have those areas is thinking about how to integrate those areas into routines, because when you can integrate them into routines, they become habits. So, just pause for a second and think about what are some routines you already have in your life? Do you have a morning routine? Do you have an evening routine? Do you have a lunchtime routine? Do your kids have routines? What are routines that are already in place? And you could, you could exchange the word routine with rituals, like things that you do every day over and over. They're the same. So these rituals or routines, they could be massive shifts or they could be minor commitments. They can look like a singular daily meditation, or even a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. It can be a solo walk at the early morning hours when you first wake, or it can be a running routine in the evening. So routines and rituals look very different for everyone. And they include different things. They happen at different times of the day. They last different amounts of time. So while some of these things I just noted may sound like normal habits to you, they become ingrained and imperative to our functioning. They are the commitments that we have to ourselves and our mental health that sustain us. So I would call these a little bit more like preventative self-care because they're things that we're putting in place to do daily over and over and over again to keep ourselves sane so that we don't need to be reactive and, and use all those reactive reactionary practices. So what do routines and rituals look like? I would argue that the most important routine of them all is the first one of the day. What does your morning routine look like? And for years, this for me was like, what can I grab on the go? Can it be like a bar or like, I probably even at some point, like a pop tart, can I push a button and get a cup of coffee and and put it in a to-go cup and run out the door and eat it in the car while I'm drinking the coffee on the way to work? Not a great routine, not even a really routine at all, just a cluster of chaos, (laughs) So think about the activities that you engage in immediately after you wake up they have a critical and crucial effect on not just your morning and how your morning is going to go but how the rest of your day as a whole is going to go these routines or rituals in the in the morning upon waking they can set a productive tone they can give you a positive mindset they can put you in a flow state and they can help you to tackle chaotic and busy and overpacked days with Clarity and focus. You start in that chaotic state; it puts your brain in a chaotic state. So it's hard to get into flow. It's hard to be productive. It's hard to get focused. It's hard to think clearly. So it's really important to to think about your morning routine and put something in place that feels really good. The biggest thing with this is minor commitments first. So when I'm like, okay, I need to change my morning routine. I don't like getting up last second, running around like a crazy person, and getting to work and feeling all disheveled. So I'm going to get up ten minutes earlier. And instead of making my coffee to go, I'm going to make it for here. That's all I'm going to do. That's the only thing I'm going to change in my routine. I'm going to do that for a week or two weeks. I get used to that. Okay. Now I'm going to get up 20 minutes earlier. And now I'm going to get up and I'm going to eat and have my cup of coffee and then go do that a week, a week or two, get it in, in in my mind. And then I might say, okay, now I'm going to wake up 30 minutes earlier. I'm going to eat and make my coffee. I'm going to read for 10 minutes, or maybe I'm going to meditate. I'm going to a the podcast. Maybe I'm going to go for a walk, whatever it is something else in there. And maybe I'm happy with that, that triad of things or that trio, or maybe I want to add another thing or two. It just can be modified, and altered based on what you feel like you need. So if that feels good, then leave it, go with it and come back and kind of reflect maybe each season or each quarter on how it's going and whether or not you need to change things because different seasons of life may mean that your routines need to change. If you overcommit to a whole bunch of things all at once, the entire routine is going to fall apart because you're going to feel overwhelmed and it's going to feel like too big of a a task to tackle. So start really, really small with one thing for just a few minutes. Like it might just be a meditation that you want to do in the morning. That's one minute long. And you do that one minute long meditation for two, three weeks, maybe even a month. And that's, that's enough. And then you add to it when you feel ready. A specific and predictable morning routine can be a very influential and instrumental factor in helping you set up boundaries and helping you create balance for for both your personal and for your work life. So there's been a lot of research on, on how this helps all us. That's just one major routine of the day. There are evening routines. There are routines that you have with kids There are work routines, like how how you work through like a, a chunk of work time. If you work remotely or you're you're not, um, yeah, even even if you're like in in education and you're at school, you, you have like a routine for how your morning goes. You have a sequence, you have a set schedule. So the biggest thing is to go slow, work on changing your environment, make tiny little changes, reassess and reflect, and then make modifications. And when I say changing our environment, I mean so for, for me, it, changing my environment, for my morning routine meant, okay, I'm not going to use like an automatic coffee maker. I'm going to buy a hand, a pour over. It's going to take me a little bit longer, but I can be more mindful with the process. So I changed my environment. I changed something I had in my physical environment. Um, if you're a, a person that wants to add a workout routine, maybe changing your environment means getting your clothes out the night before, if you're going to work out in the morning, or maybe it means buying a, a new workout outfit to give you some motivation. Something that makes you feel good and confident. So, think about what changing your environment looks like for what you're aiming for. And note that when you make new routines and even when you modify and change them, it takes anywhere from 30 to 66 days to really solidify that routine and make it a habit. Okay, so let me give you some examples. So, for myself, The one thing I've been focusing on a lot, because I feel like my morning routine is, is, is pretty good, is my evening routine. Because sometimes when I feel like I don't wake up in the state that I want to, it's because my evening routine didn't go the way that I wanted, or I maybe didn't even have one. And for the longest time, I didn't. So- these are just simple little things, but when I have these simple little things that I do every single night, over and over and over and over again, it makes me feel grounded because the brain likes repetition, brain likes pattern, brain likes rhythm. So if you can have like a set of three or five things that you do at night or in the morning and do them every day, even if they're simple little things, it's going to help you to feel grounded to start the day better or get to bed in a better mindset and state. Okay, so my evening routine here's what it looks like. I will come upstairs with my cup of tea. I will be, I'm breastfeeding, so I'm pumping. So I have the pump on me with my cup of tea. I will turn on and fill the humidifier. I will pull down the curtain because there's a lot of bright light that comes in through the very big window in my bedroom. I will brush my teeth after my cup of tea is finished. And then while I'm finishing pumping, I will either meditate or I will read a little bit or listen to a podcast. And then what I will do is once I'm done pumping, I will go hop in the shower because I like to get into bed clean at night, especially if I've gone to the gym later in the day. And then I would go pick out my clothes for the next day. So it sounds like a lot of things, but that whole routine probably takes 20, maximum 30 minutes. And if I do all those things and I kind of like check off this list, I'm like, all right, humidifier, all right, curtain, all right. Did my like bring me down activity, which was meditation, reading or podcast. Okay. I pumped. I had my cup of tea. I got a shower, brush my teeth. I feel good. I feel ready for bed. I feel like my mind is clear. It's organized. And I feel like I can go to sleep ready to wake up for the next day. So simple little things. It took me a while to get there though. Like even those simple little things I had to kind of organize into a sequence that felt good for me. I had to modify it. I had to change it. And now I feel good about it. So the biggest thing with routines is think about your big five. And if you don't know what the big five are, go back and listen to the five previous episodes. I think it's even, I condensed it into four previous four episodes, but there are these big five things that we should try, try to avoid the word should, would be beneficial to include in everyday life. So think about those big five areas, think about your current routines and think about how you can change, modify, or alter them to help you feel more grounded or more focused or more rested because these are little tiny things that we might overlook that make a massive, massive difference and impact. And if you want to learn more about this, I believe I wrote a blog post about it. So hop onto our blog page and read the routines and rituals blog post. Today's listener question says, how do I help my child with ADHD? So I'm not a big labels person. I don't really care about a label. It doesn't do much for me. What ADHD tells me is that a child kind of has a brain that is all over the place and going really fast. And much like many things I talk about in episodes on here is 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 rhythms and opposites. So if a child's mind is kind of cluttered and going really fast, we need to declutter it and slow it down. So what are some things that we can work on and kind of practice and and implement and use with the child to slow their brain down? Well any impulsivity game or activities. Think about things that, you, I mean, you could even search this on Pinterest or Google, impulsivity games for kids or um, teens or whichever age group you're working with. But just some examples for young kids, something that would cause you to stop and pause and think and slow down would address impulsivity. So red light, green light. Um, Simon says, they all require you to stop and think before you you make a move so you don't lose lose the game or the activity. There are even tons of board games that would address this, like Twister, Kerplunk, Don't Break the Ice. They all require you to stop and think before you move or take an action. And think about any slow moving activities like yoga, stretching, walking, any of those things would slow the brain down because they're slowing the body down. And the the brain's going to start to mimic the physical actions of the body. And the last one is really just a type of meditation or mindfulness. And if it's for young kids, like there are are apps, Calm, Headspace, Insight Timer that have 30 second minute, two minute, five minute meditations for kids. And there are tons of mindfulness activities that only take one minute, three minutes, five minutes. All of those things will help to strengthen the, the thinking part of the brain, the front part of the brain. And that keeps us from falling into that hyperactive impulsive state. So any of those things are going to address a child's needs with ADHD. All right. To wrap up our show, we're going to talk about our try it at home tip, which doesn't really relate to anything we talked about today, or well, maybe it could relate to routines and rituals because um, if someone's not respecting your routine and ritual or the time you need for it, you might do this. So our try it at home tip is setting boundaries and addressing the feelings you have around boundaries. Setting boundaries are really important. It is a really important thing to do because it is a way to protect and recognize what you need to feel good. And when someone is overstepping a line with you, so it's this awareness of this doesn't feel good. And here's what I'm trying to get to and achieve. So I need to instill this kind of line in the sand. The thing with boundaries is especially around women, especially with women in service, excuse me, like counselors or Um, educators, we tend to, and I'm I'm stereotyping by saying we and all of us feel, excuse me, guilty about setting a boundary. We feel shame and guilt because of the other person's reception of our boundary or the emotion the other person expresses. How someone responds to your boundary is not on you. That's a reflection of their insecurity. So, no need to feel bad about setting a boundary as long as it's an appropriate boundary and and to determine if it's appropriate, just think about, you know, if someone were setting that boundary with you, or is it realistic or is it, um, uh, going to be helpful? Think about your boundary, make sure your language is clear, clear as kind. When we share boundaries, we might kind of soften the way we share them because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. We're trying to protect someone that usually doesn't work well because then someone doesn't hear or understand your boundary when they don't receive your boundary. Well, you don't need to change your boundary. Uh, If it's what you feel like you really need to feel safe and secure, that's okay. It's the other person who might need to change their, their actions or their response. And there's no need to feel guilty or shameful around your boundary setting because you didn't set it to intentionally hurt the other person. You set it to protect yourself. So the more appropriate emotion is a lower level emotion to feel, which is sadness. If someone doesn't receive your, bad, your boundary well, you can feel sad they didn't receive it well, not, guilt, not guilty or shameful. Because again, you didn't set that boundary to hurt their feelings. You set that boundary to protect yourself. So hold that boundary tight, be firm, be clear, and feel sadness, not shame and guilt. If someone doesn't receive your boundary well. All right. That's it for today's episode of returning to us podcast. Remember our try at home tip, which is setting boundaries. And if you'd like me to answer any of your future questions on an episode, feel free to email me at podcast at the behavior or you can even shoot me a text 717-693-7744. And don't forget to lock in what you learned by going home or going wherever or pausing and thinking about how to apply it right away, or even pop a comment below and let me know. Here's my routine. Here's where I'm struggling. Can you help me with my routine? Biggest takeaway, what you're going to do to take action, anything at all that helps you reflect on this episode to get to a point of action. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer and thanks for joining me.